This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. Does Christ dwell in your home? It's kind of a, a strange question to ask, right? Um, I don't necessarily think that Jesus has a bedroom, but is Jesus part of your home? Is he visible? Is he present? Is he talked about? Is he referred to? Is he talked with? Is he listened to? Just like any other member of a family, the three-year-old who demands 15 stuffed animals in her bed at night, to the dad who gets home from work maybe tired, the mom who's juggling and balancing 30 different schedules, There's all these different nuanced experiences of Catholic family life. I just gave you the cookie-cutter version, the one that most often jumps into a a person's mind, mom, dad, kids. But as we've talked about throughout this entire series, right, a family can look very different. The experience of family life is wide and varied, that at the heart of it is not just necessarily mom, dad, children, But at the heart of it is Jesus Christ. And so that question has to be asked again. Is Jesus Christ part of your home? Is he part of your family? Does he dwell there? This concept, this idea of incarnation, of, of Jesus Christ literally pitching a tent within our homes, within our hearts of joining and staying with us, Right, this is the perfect way to start to wrap up this Catholic family life series for Ave Explorers. We've talked about prayer, we've talked about fatherhood, we've talked about motherhood, we've talked about discernment and infertility and adoption and homeschooling, and we've talked about all the different ways that Catholic family life exists and is experienced and what it can look like, and hopefully given encouragement on, on how to journey through family life better, or at least maybe a little more focused on our faith. And the through line through all of that has been this idea, this notion, that Christ dwells within the family. That Christ is present with the family. Today, we we talk very literally about that with someone who, who literally has put Jesus in the home through the enthronement of the sacred heart, enthroning a family, enthroning a home, enthroning her children, her marriage, to Jesus Christ and asking him to essentially take over is not necessarily the right language here, but, but to be part of it. To be part of the family, not just as this ancillary figure, oh yeah, we love you, Jesus, but Jesus, we talk to you. Jesus, we, we listen to you. Jesus, we turn to you. Jesus, we ask for your help. Emily Jaminet has great experience with the enthronement of the Sacred Heart. In fact, runs a network that's committed and dedicated to teaching people about it. And you'll hear more about it in this episode. But, but there's something here that I, I want to make sure you pay attention to right from the beginning. And it's this idea that no matter what quote-unquote version of Catholic family life you are living whether it's in pursuit of a Catholic family, whether it's in the thick of a Catholic family, whether you think, no, that's not for me, or I didn't even realize I was in one, or whatever and wherever you happen to be, that Jesus Christ and his sacred heart is meant to be in the thick of that, in the middle of it, at the heart and at the center of it. That whether you're a college student in a dorm room listening to a a season about Catholic family life, or you're the mom that's juggling the 20 different schedules, or you're the dad who's frustrated at his job, or the grandparent who desperately wants her grandchildren to be raised in the faith, anywhere in between, that Jesus Christ and his sacred heart are meant to be at the center of your life, 
of your home, and of your family. I love that this episode is coming at the tail end of our season because it it encapsulates, I think, so many of the things that we've talked about. You can, of course, go back and find all of the old episodes um, on Catholic Family Life and in this Ave Explorer series on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Spotify, but but you can also find all of the content we've created on AveMariaPress.com, the articles, the videos, the, the Facebook Live conversations, everything that we've created. You know, I, I've gone back and read and looked and, and listened, and I think that the theme that has emerged, at least I, I, I hope is very clear, is that the Catholic family, as diverse and varied and, and different as it can be, throughout the world and and, and in people's homes, that the Catholic family rooted in Jesus Christ is the Catholic family that thrives. And today's conversation with author and speaker and wife and mom and and runner of this enthronement of the Sacred Heart Network, Emily Jaminet, is a perfect snapshot of what the family can be and how the family can be when Jesus Christ is at the center, when Jesus Christ's sacred heart is, is at the root of the family. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. You're going to learn a lot. You'll hopefully be inspired to to maybe take up the enthronement to the Sacred Heart in your family. Uh, And hopefully you'll hop on over to AveMariaPress.com and look at everything that we've created to continue to help your Catholic family, whatever version that may be, to help your Catholic family thrive. For now, without further ado, a conversation with Emily Jaminet on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Emily, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Katie. I'm really excited. Yeah, we're, um, we've, we've had you on the list of people we wanted to bring on. There's a bunch of different topics that you could have fit over the course of our seasons, but I think this one's the most perfect. You're a wife, you're a mom, you're in Columbus, Ohio. I'm a big fan of the Columbus Zoo because of the show Secrets of the Zoo, which has become like our, our COVID binge. Um, but tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are. It looks like you're in a home office right now. So just who are you? Yes, actually, my home office, I really didn't put together until about two years ago. I was like the floating working mom, you know, (laughs) it was the laundry room, the kitchen, you know, and so it's nice to have my own office. Um, I just celebrated 22 years of marriage. My oldest will be turning 21 this fall. So I have been in the trenches of really the vocation of, of wife and mother for a number of years, but didn't really start an active ministry work until 2011, where I started these short radio programs for promoting motherhood, the, the connection between our vocation and our faith to motherhood. And then from that, in 2015, my first book, uh, Divine Mercy for Moms, with my dear friend, Michelle Fanley. And from that, it's, you know how it goes, Katie, like the Lord, you keep telling, I, I like to say, you know, I told the Lord, like, okay, Lord, if you open that door, I'll walk through it. Just give me the courage. And with each book, he's given me the courage with each project and, um, being able to balance my vocation has been a tremendous gift, especially in the culture that we we live in. Mm-hmm. So these radio programs promoting motherhood, I love that because it's it is sometimes very countercultural to say I love being a mom and I love my job and I love cooking dinner for my family, but like I also enjoy sitting on the couch and watching The Office for a couple hours and kind of letting the house just fall to fall to pieces. Tell me a little bit about what that. What prompted you to want to do that, to promote motherhood like that? Well, you know, it was really a place where I did have a house full of little children, and I just was looking to the lives of the saints, the church teaching, scripture, like, how does this apply to me as a woman 
raising a family because most of the saints I was reading their materials lived in a convent in silence. Mm -hmm. And I had very, very little silence, (laughs) but there was a thread that was so common, self-sacrifice, the importance of profound love, love of God, love of our children, our family, and all of humanity. It also was um, an opportunity when I was putting together these radio reflections, I realized there's just not a lot on our vocation. (laughs) Katie, right? There's a lot about preparing to get married and and all of that from a secular perspective. And I was reading all these parent books, but I didn't, you know, I, I came across my own struggles and those of other moms saying like, is this worth it? Like, these kids treat me terribly. All my money is going to them. Like, what is the point of this? So that was where the connection came for me, a mother's moment. Mm-hmm. And um, they're archived on my Emily Jaminette page. There's, I, you know, I wrote maybe 250 of them, but I always say they were for me to connect my vocation. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some of those things that you, you wanted to talk about or you did talk about? I mean, 21 down to four is a huge, I mean, you've got college students all the way down to, to pre-Kers. Like, You're right. first of all, what is, what's a day in the life of the Jaminette family look like? Um, well, Katie, so imagine this. <laughs> in March, I picked up my college kids for spring break and they never went. They never home. left. <laughs> they never left. They never left. I, I am like, I tell people, I'm like, we picked them up because we they weren't going on vacation and right. they you know have been home for almost five months. But that's life. That's life. Life is you have to work with the Lord and go mm-hmm. with the flow. And that's that's life of seven children. So it's structure helps. They help okay. young moms. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm kind of an old mom now, but um, you know, getting your kids into good structures and finding my kids all work daytime jobs because I want them to sleep at night. You know, I teach them to grow a work ethic, you know, one lawnmower and then a babysitting job and then, you know, a part-time job and then sports and building character, building virtue, building discipline. It's not just about our faith, but our ordinary life experiences build out in a way in which we see that we can be sanctified in the world, mm-hmm. but not of the world. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the quick summary of, of yeah. Jaminette life here. But I'm not a perfect mom. There mm-hmm. is no perfect mom, but the blessed mother. And I think True. I've said that a hundred times to my children, to myself, apologizing to my husband for my shortcomings. But we got to take the pressure off and and grow in holiness, not perfection in the eyes of the world. Yeah. Well, that's, I love that. Like within a family every day, a thousand mistakes get made. And it's, I mean, these are the people that it's okay to make mistakes with, even though they're most, the most important people, like they're the ones that you can wake up the next morning and try again, and it'll be a little bit better. Um, when you were a new mom, so that 21 year old was born and it sounds like if I'm doing the math correctly, it was pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you wish now as you called yourself an old mom? So I now would say just you're uh, um, a wizened mom with seven under your belt. Uh, what do you wish you'd known then that you know now that maybe some of the newer moms are going to listen to uh, or like, and, and not the, Oh, you're going to, you're going to miss it. But like, what's that one thing that, you wish somebody had told you when you were sitting on the couch figuring out breastfeeding or you were trying to figure out how to maintain some sense of self in the midst of also being so giving to your kids? You know, that's such a great question. And um, it really starts with not putting yourself in your own box. Like, you know, I, I had this wonderful job. I love my job. It was at a Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation. 
And I thought I had to choose my vocation and motherhood or giving back to the community and my job. I had, a, mm. I had a lot of flex in my job. I could have done a little something, but I went from something that was so fulfilling to on the couch and breastfeeding. And, mm. and that was, a, you know, I was in my twenties. That was a big change. And I, yet my entire goal, and it's always been to grow in holiness, but I realized holiness is a lot more gentle than what I thought holy. I don't want my version of holiness. I want authentic holiness. Mm. And I think that's very important in pursuing God's will. So would I have picked up and been more active in ministry work? Cause it was, it was a dream in my heart's for ever since I could breathe. Yes. And I love to tell women, if I can do it, you can do it. I love to tell parents, if you have a dream in your heart, your vocation doesn't like cut dreams out. They right. give it new purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's really the gift of children. We don't need to choose our vocation or the things that not only put, you know, food on the table, but they, they change the world for the better. Mm-hmm. So that's a lesson. And I was listening to some of the wrong voices that mm-hmm. were putting me in that box. And then I just kind of was like, I guess that's all there is, is this tiny little box for me. And I realized, no, the world is so big and mm-hmm. it, it's a joy to be with you today. And, mm-hmm. and yet it wasn't a no to my kids. Right. Exactly. Like if we can say yes, sure. Every yes that we say to things is no to something else, but there is a way to bring in life in a variety. I mean, we're open to life. That means we're open to living life to the full. And that looks differently for different people. Now I know with your seven children for a long time, you all homeschooled. What was that like? And what was the decision process there to choose to, to school your children at home um, which is a reality for a lot of mainly Catholic families, I would th- at least in our experiences. But um, what what was that whole experience and process like? Well, it was really fun when I wrote the book, um, The Friendship Project with Michelle. We talked about the virtues of great friends. And one of the virtues we talked about was the importance of prudence. Now, a, a simple definition of prudence is smart living. Like what makes sense with your skill set, who you are, and where you're going And I will say that homeschooling was something I stumbled into out of a little bit of fear of the world, you know, read the news and the world's a little scary. But what I slowly realized year in and year out is that fear is not a reason to homeschool. Fear, you know, meet the principles, get to know your community, your parish, your pastors, and the people that are out there to help you. The Mm -hmm. church gave us a whole entire, you know, the church is there to help the Jaminettes. And yet I'm here to serve the church. There's a, there's a relationship there. Mm -hmm. So at eight years, I, um, I loved it. My mom said to me one day, Emily, your oldest looks like a flower that's outgrown his pot. Mm. And I was like, what a beautiful, gentle thing to say. Mm -hmm. And I started praying. And then when I was praying about this decision, I started hearing gentle gentle things like that comment by my mom or a a dear friend that's like you just don't sound like yourself you've lost your spark it's homeschooling working or just these different tiny feedbacks and instead of being like me on defensive like Mm -hmm. no no don't tell me that this is my school I was open to the Lord because you said one of my favorite phrases early earlier Katie you know a, a yes a no to something is a yes to something else. I would no way be authoring my fifth book and in charge of this amazing worldwide ministry if I was still homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful that that the Lord gently shut that door and yet he opened 
all of our lives to amazing opportunities that I just thank God for. I'm so grateful for school, for our Catholic school and for that change. So it was, it was just a beautiful example of the Lord stepping into my life and rechanging me into um, areas that work not only for myself, but my husband and my children, getting mm-hmm. us the structure we needed. Well, even though you entered into homeschooling, maybe a little fearful of the world, what, what were some of the good things about it? Because there are homeschooling families that they thrive. I mean, it's not for my husband and I. We've discerned it at length and have just decided, nope, our kid is way too social to homeschool. Um, and we're having a new baby. So that's just not a reality that we're looking down the barrel of. But, but you did it for so many years. What yeah. were some of the best parts of it before well, the kids began to outgrow the pot, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I think one thing is there's a lot of family time, which is really beautiful. You know, there's a lot of controlled experiences. I was like, you mentioned the zoo. I was going to the zoo every week. I was really putting myself out there to give them amazing, you know, just Christ centered experiences, mm-hmm. um, based on what I thought was best. And, and that was, that was great. I, I, the kids are very, especially the college kids, you know, we process, the decisions you make as a parent and they are, they're so gentle with me. They're like, mom, we know you tried. It's okay. I'm really glad you put us in school and we now know both sides, you know, like they kind of coach you and you have to remember, this is somebody's life you're talking about. Like they, they hindsight's always 2020. So even though my intention was to give them this one homeschooling experience, the reality was it was a lot more yelling. Like, I don't, I don't want to ever yell at a child. And I was yelling and we, you know, I realized I wasn't living to the potential the Lord was calling me to live. So it's, it's, it's fun to talk about it, but I'm glad it's about seven years in the past. Yeah. When I love though, that like, that's, I think that's kind of one of the virtues of motherhood is the ability to pivot and the ability to say like, you know what? And and I think a lot of parents are in that trench right now because of COVID-19, okay, we have to readjust. Like this is the new reality that we're facing, whether that's partial school, virtual school, homeschool for the year, like whatever those are, the, the name of the game is really trusting the Lord's will over your own, but then also recognizing the prudence that I have to make decisions and to, to do what's best for my kids in the moment. My husband and I's mantra is we're going to make the decision that we're called to make with the information we have at the moment that we're called to make it. And like nobody else gets to make that decision for us. Um, so like, I mean, in full disclosure, our three-year-old's going to school in the middle of a pandemic, we're sending her to her pre-K three class because we know that that's what's best for her and what's best for me and best for my husband and the new baby. Um, I, I, I feel affirmed in hearing you say. <laughs> you my my four-year-old went to school all this summer because the other thing is, what are you doing when they're not there? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she was at the grocery store with me. She was quietly playing understimulated because everybody else was at school. So part of it was that humbling, realizing I need a wider community to help me. Yep. And, and that's, that actually took so much pressure off my shoulders mm-hmm. that I can, I, I would give that gift to everyone. Like, you know, do the best you can and then give it back to God. And I love, and actually um, in the book, The Friendship Project, we talk about, you know, there's a formula for making decisions, right? You acquire all the information, St. Thomas Aquinas tells us, then we process it and then we execute it. Mm-hmm. And all of us get stumbled at one point. Some of us execute it and rethink stage one or can never actually execute because you're so stressed. But part of trusting is knowing that we have a loving God. Like mm-hmm. he's going to help you pivot if it's not right. 
but don't entrench yourself in something. And, and honestly, I would have never been so involved in women's ministry if I would have just stepped in that same mindset that I had. And my marriage is better. I got to admit, like we now have bedtimes and structure and out the door times that we, we didn't have for a number of years. And that, you know, every family is so different and it works again, like being able to trust and being able to make those decisions. I, I love then this, this idea of trust is, I mean, it's a, it's a spiritual principle and it's one that in your ministry with, um, enthroning families and homes to the sacred heart. Tell us a little bit about that international ministry you hinted at earlier and why that's where the Lord pulled you. Your kids go into school and then all of a sudden you start doing this incredible thing. Tell us that story. Well, what was really interesting is when my kids went back to school, I'm like, Jesus, how am I going to pay this tuition bill? You know, like that's a lot of kids. And all the moms were like, you got the biggest family now. Like, how are you going to pay this? I'm like, I don't know, Jesus. So um, I actually, we started praying this beautiful prayer to the Sacred Heart. I call it Bud's Prayer because my uncle Bud, that was his favorite prayer. And actually on the night that he passed, he put it in an envelope and had it all mailed and ready to go to my mom. Because my mom said, I want to pray the prayer that you pray that brings you so much peace. So it's beautiful. So literally his last gesture was giving my mom the prayer. My parents started praying the prayer. And since then, we have printed over 25,000 of these prayer cards. Uh, I will send anyone a prayer card at welcomeisheart.com because the idea of trusting his most perfect, sacred, loving heart transforms you. And I started teaching the children the prayer and every year we, we moved column A to column B and tuition was paid. And mm-hmm. that, you know, it didn't mean that, you know, we, we hit the jackpot, but we were willing to make sacrifices mm-hmm. and focus our energy in a new way to this, this goal of paying this tuition bill, mm-hmm. keeping our kids in Catholic schools. They're all seven. The oldest two are at Franciscan. So, you know, we, we weren't, we tried to remain humble, but this prayer changed literally changed our heart. Mm -hmm. Now, my parents, um, I remember we did the enthronement when I was in about eighth grade in my own home. I I grew up in a Catholic family. My dad was a convert, three other siblings. And I remember grumbling, like, here we go, mom and dad enthroning the home to Jesus. Of course they are, you know, like I can still recall the thoughts in my head, like, oh, we're going to pray the rosary. I, we'd fight just as much as we pray on Sunday night. I mean, we were that total mm-hmm. 80s American family. But what I remember, we did the enthronement. And the enthronement is really the, the verse in Joshua. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. It is coming alive and speaking in a way in which you're placing an image of predominance, the image of the cigar, in predominance in your home. And you're recognizing that, Jesus lives in your home. It's, an, mm-hmm. it's a revolutionary idea for the domestic church because a lot of times we only think about faith when we are in church, right? Mm-hmm. Sunday, you know, like, okay, now it's about me and Jesus. But the home is the messy place. The home mm-hmm. is the place where, like I said, we kind of are so casual, we unravel. And my home changed when we did the enthronement with my family. Like we started including Jesus in conversation and around the dinner table. And my parents started catching me and my little white stinking lies through my high school year. And they would be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the enthronement. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, but, but there was something that happened. So fast forward, I'm a mom. I have six kids. 
I just put everyone literally into school and my parents kept saying, you should do the enthronement. And I'm like, life is good. We don't need the enthronement. Yeah, let's like, not mess it up. <laughs> yeah, let's not mess this thing up. And I've heard that. Like people are like, I don't want Satan to find me because I did the enthronement. But it doesn't work that way. It does no. not work that way. So we do the enthronement and there's three stages. First, we call it preparation because like any great thing, you know, you planned a birthday party, you got to prepare. Mm-hmm. Same for your home and your heart, you know, doing, we did prayers for, um, you know, three, three days before leading up to it, family prayer. And in the, the, in the ceremony that we um, ship everywhere, people can download, we actually have incorporated forgiveness and healing mm-hmm. in those three days. So that's leading up to the ability to say those powerful words, I am sorry, mm-hmm. you know, because when we apologize and when we start seeking forgiveness, not only from God, but from the people we live with, mm-hmm. that's where transformation takes place. Yeah. So we, we do this beautiful ceremony. We put the image of Jesus on the mantle and we're like, now what Lord, you know, like, okay, well, believe it or not, within one week, we found answers to a three month problem And that was a carbon monoxide problem in our basement. We had a a massive leak. We didn't know. We thought we had a whiny middle schooler who would always say he had a headache and he didn't feel good. And it, I just assumed it was dehydration, puberty, football. We'd taken him to the doctor, but I I like to say enthronement is about like your vision changing. Like Mm -hmm. you're listening, you're the Lord speaking and showing you things And I'm so thankful. He went for a jog in the basement. He was in eighth grade and he curled up in a ball right after he ran and said, I'm just too tired. And I, I believe I got the grace to make the phone call, to call, to get it checked out. And then the grace to trust when I needed a new furnace, a new water heater, everything needed. And I just bought, you know, the most expensive thing in my whole life. My husband and I, this home, but we trusted that the Lord would help us and he did. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's a dramatic story in using, you know, the physical, but the spiritual was I gained new vision to which kids needed more attention, mm-hmm. which honestly, um, if you have technology, like those tech companies are better at sending inappropriate messages through the computer than you are at filtering it. Let's, mm-hmm. let's right, Katie, like, Absolutely. like you need spiritual tools and the enthronement served as that tool of not only discovering as a mom what I needed to mentor and help, but doing it in a way that was thoughtful, that was kind, that was Christ-like, mm-hmm. really helping you know some of my children work through things that I never would have known. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Emily Jaminet about enthronement to the Sacred Heart, that maybe you've learned a bit, that you've been inspired uh, for your own Catholic family to thrive with this particular devotion. To learn more about this and other elements of thriving in Catholic family life, hop on over to AveMariaPress.com to check out all of our content that we've created for this Ave Explorer series, as well as listen to earlier podcast episodes and watch our videos. AveMariaPress.com And lastly, I mean, I could keep going on, but the other tremendous grace was this gift of 24-hour parenting. Mm. When you enthrone your home to the Sacred Heart, you you stop thinking in like 12-hour increments, right? Right. (laughs) Day shift, night shift, day. I started like noticing like, Lord, if he woke me up at three o'clock in the morning, I was willing to pray. Mm -hmm. And, And not only pray, but get out of my bed, walk the house, pray through the house, check on the children. You know, and now I tell the kids all know the funny joke. I'm like, 
if Jesus wakes me up, I'm going to find you. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh yeah. And when they have friends spend the night, they kind of laugh because they're like, yeah, that Mrs. Jaminette, she looks a little crazy. (laughs) But I, I mean, I, I say that with so much love, not to like Mm -hmm. be their, you know, convictor, but to, to be their parent and when they need me most. Yeah. And they know, and the one boy was like, how do you always keep catching, you know, mom and dad, you keep catching me. I'm like, because this is the house where the King lives. Mm -hmm. He comes as our King, our savior, our friend. And what I love our brother and, and brother in Christ and even provider. Mm-hmm. So when you give him all those titles in your home, what is there to worry, Katie? Like yeah. we went through furlough, unemployment, you know, COVID-19, but we could go before his most sacred, perfect heart and say, okay, Lord, you got to help us. We have no paycheck coming in. You know, what are you going to do with us? And, and that, that's, that's what I want to give every family. And two final touches is, Addiction, um, the number of families that have done the enthronement and not only identified the addiction, but say, mm-hmm. I received the grace to endure the help we needed to mm-hmm. get that child, the spouse, the loved one, the help they need. So it, it's a tool to strengthen faith of individuals, family line. And a lot of families will say to me, I'm the only Catholic. Like, you don't understand. Everybody else is offending God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, But if you're willing to do the act of reparation on behalf of your loved one, if you're willing to stand before the Lord, because this goes back to St. Margaret Mary Alico, and I'll talk a little bit about that when I talk about the book. But in 1670, Jesus appeared with his most sacred heart Mm -hmm. to tell the world he's a God of love. And he said, may your image be exposed and honored Mm -hmm. and you shall be blessed. And that's what we're doing. That simple gesture you know, we, we hear all through the Bible of these things, you know, what Moses had to do, you know, in the Old Testament, what, what, we've, what the disciples did, cast your net on the side. This is our act of faith. Right. And I promise you, I haven't met a single person that's returned their, returned their Jesus right. and Mary and said it doesn't work. The grace yeah. comes, but my mom always says, when you're boarding the train, you get the ticket. And that's, that's how, when you need the grace, it will be there yeah. in that moment. I, I mean, there's so many things in there I want to pull out. Uh, first being, my husband and I got married on the Feast of the Immaculate Heart. So the next, you know, the day after the Feast of the Sacred Heart. So his 98-year-old Polish grandfather gave us the images of Jesus and Mary to hang in our homes. And they were the same images that Tommy had in his childhood bedroom that now are in Rose's bedroom. Um, and we hung them in our first house. And I never, I, like, I mean, they were objectively beautiful, but they did not, not match the rest of our decor. Um, so when we moved to the house that we're currently in, I told Tommy, he's like, I'd like to find either a more modern version or, you know, like maybe we can find like an artsy version of just the hearts. And his joke was, we're going to put organs on the wall. And I was like, yeah, we're going to put organs on the wall. (laughs) So I found one that I loved and I'll link it down in the show notes from a friend of mine who's a Catholic artist, but there was like a two week gap of time where we didn't, it had to ship. So we took the old ones down and we didn't have the new ones up. And everything went wrong in this house. Like this brand new house, it was like a door, like literally just randomly fell off the hinges one day. Like I went to go open the closet door and it just fell. Um, we couldn't get half the technology to work to like sync up with the Wi-Fi, even though it had all worked perfectly. It was all these like little things. Like Jesus is punishing me because I called him ugly because I didn't like the other old pictures. And it's just kind of this joke in our house. The organs had to get put back on the wall. 
But the idea of Jesus has to be present, visually, physically even, um, to where now like Rose, who's three, will point and say that's Jesus's heart. Like she knows that because it's something that's become part of our family. Doesn't mean we're perfect parents, far from it. She was screaming before this interview began because she didn't want to go to bed. But there is something about making a place for him in the home. And that becomes a priority, even to the point now where our daughter will joke, the only boys that are allowed to live here are Jesus and daddy. So God forbid we ever have a son because that's just part of her head. Um, But you said something in there that I really, really want to tease out. And it's about what kid needs more attention and like which kid might need a little more tenderness and mom. Um, I've often heard from, from people with large families that sometimes the stress that a parent carries is that okay, there's a lot of them. (laughs) Like they eventually start to kind of take care of each other, but there's a lot of them. How do you find as a mom that, you know, you're constantly pouring out, what, what helps you then kind of hit the reset button um, after you've poured into your kids? This devotion has the perfect reset button Mm -hmm. because we're actually called to pray before the images. Like, Mm -hmm. like they're living, they're, they're, they're reminders, they're holy reminders, right. Of that living, breathing, Jesus and you know I have the Amakahar in the Sacred Heart like that they're there for us. Mm-hmm. So I talk to my mother, <laughs> I talk to Mary, I talk to Jesus. Um, you know I I say those little aspirations like almost oh, Sacred Heart of Jesus have mercy on me, almost oh, Sacred Heart of Jesus be my strength. And mm-hmm. the kids kind of tease me like, oh there goes mom with her little words. Like <laughs> we but, must have done something. <laughs> but but I I'm I'm really trying. They know I'm in. They know I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we don't have to be the perfect parent and we tell them, well, you have the perfect mother, she's just in heaven, or Jesus perfectly loves you, I do not. But then it's more than just telling them, it's then growing in virtue. Like my dad, ever since his conversion to the Catholic faith, he's like, I am growing in virtue. Like it is so hard for him to be patient. It is so hard mm-hmm. for him to go against his nature. But you see this like, you know, even my kids are like, oh, Papa, like you can tell he he struggles with that, you know, messes or whatever bothers him. But I think it's good when the kids know that you're in that tension of growing. Mm -hmm. But the reset button for me is quiet prayer. Like, Mm -hmm. and I wrote about this in one of my books, like I used to kept waiting until my house got quiet, like Mm -hmm. waiting until the kids all grew up or waiting. Don't wait. Like, never hit the snooze button, snooze button again. And that's from a mom of seven, like Jesus, like if you let him wake you up, like that's what I realized. Like he was waking me up at four forty-five for prayer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 it's four forty-five. Yeah. No, it's five. <laughs> no, it's six. No, it's all the same. Like get out of bed and then trust that if you need a nap, he'll give you a nap. Mm-hmm. But what you find is you don't need a nap because you were spiritually fed mm-hmm in a way that it was the greatest act of reparation and and sacrifice was not hitting the snooze button. So it's changing how we think. And yet, um, yes, there are kids that needed more attention and there are some kids that need more activity and stimulation, like Mm -hmm. part of that evaluation. And I have a list, my husband, and I have a list of like important topics or things that we need to talk about with each child. Like this one seems really confused by, Um, Black Lives Matter. We really need to have that conversation, but that's not a dinner table conversation when you have a four-year-old and that's really confusing, but that's definitely a 16-year-old conversation or 18-year-old conversation. Mm -hmm. So 
and figuring out, you know, so I recommend keep that prayer list, keep your journal of, you know, your prayer journal, but also keep your running list of, we got to touch base or we got to get this kid some more activities. They're really, they're really bored. And so what are they doing? They're, they're playing video games. So just re, re, re hitting that reset button. Mm -hmm. And constantly kind of I mean, I feel like moms have the pulse on the family. Dads certainly do as well. We have a, a, an excellent episode with uh, my friend Brian Greenfield on fatherhood, but he even joked, he was like, my wife knows what's really going on. And then like, I'm, she communicates with me, like what needs to be, and that's part of marriage. That's the balance that happens is that mom often has that pulse, hopefully because she is, like you've talked about, and you've referenced this book a couple of times, pray fully. Uh, becoming a woman of prayer, it, it attunes us a little. It's, it's like we get these antennas to where we can kind of pay attention to what do we need to pray for? What do we need to work on? What do we need to have conversation about? Tell us a little bit about the story behind that book. That was such a fun book. Michelle and I wrote Prayfully, really as a result of the two things everyone wanted to know about after we wrote Divine Mercy for Moms was friendship and personal prayer. And for a lot of women in the church, they're like the little busy bees. Like I can convince anyone to like run an event. But when I talk about daily prayer, they're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but I'll, I'll, you know, some these women are amazing what they will do. Actually, I have products being dropped off at my house just today because we're going to do a bedroom makeover for a woman who needs a new bedroom in the inner city. So, I mean, they're, they're amazing. They've ordered pillows and lamps and everything I need for this bedroom makeover. But when you start talking about the intimacy of prayer, it's, it's intimidating. So we tried to take that bandaid off and make it completely not intimidating, share some awesome stories about when prayers are answered, mm -hmm. when it feels like they're not answered and it's rather a slap in the face. And you're like, Lord, how did this terrible thing happen in gaining perspective? And then, you know, we share a lot of prayer hacks. Like I wish I lived in a convent sometimes, but I, absolutely do not live in a convent no. <laughs> and it is messy and I'm always like pick up pick up help mom help mom but but those you know that book is a, a book for any woman that wants to take the next step and a lot of husbands were like I read that book it was really good thank you like because they were like it was on the bedside table so um but we just want them to see that prayer is what's going to center you in your life and ground you and then inspire you to do what you're, what's going to make you fully alive. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not a threatening thing, but it's sure an amazing experience to grow in prayer. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's so much here that I think moms and dads, everybody that's listening to it, single people even who are anticipating motherhood or fatherhood someday um, will learn a lot of, my last question to a lot of our guests this season has just very simply been, you bump into a couple of parents. Um, you know, we had a couple episodes that were very specific on, on like marriage and like they're kind of in like a meh phase, but this is a couple of parents who are, maybe they're ha fighting sleep with a toddler or um, work is just not going great. And they kind of feel like they're at their wits end because they know their careers could be better, but they don't know what to do. Or even just meal planning gets exhausting. I know in the past five months cooking every night, there've been days which is like, I never want to walk into my kitchen again. Also the budget's crazy because we're only eating at home, but you meet a couple people who mom and a dad who are just, they're kind of meh. They're not thriving. They're not failing, but they just kind of feel like there could be more what's your word of encouragement? What's your, what's your pat on the back? What's your, your fire in the belly that you can give them? Well, I love that question, first of all. And, and second, I 
am on a lot of private Facebook groups. And when someone posts that exactly, you say, I private message them and I'll say, I'll tell you what changed my family. It's enthronement. Mm-hmm. Like welcome Jesus into the equation. Go through the process of, of that ceremony and what's going to be on the other side is always better than what you and I can imagine mm. because enthronement is saying, I'm not in control. So mm. that, that, oh my gosh, that my husband's driving me crazy, our finances, all of that is, is quieted when the king comes in the home. And, and that's, that's the truth. I mean, I have not only lived it, but I have been blessed to hear those testimonies and, and to say, like, if you have not done the enthronement, like, you got to do it. Like, mm-hmm. Katie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mail you Please a packet. Please do. We need to do it. I mean, we've I'm got the organs. To you. <laughs> you got the organs. I love the other organs. But, like, you can – we made it a digital download because yeah. people internationally were like, I, I need this. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing that brings me greater joy than knowing that the king is welcome because he does not take our trials away, right? He does right. not – you know, but what he does is he gives us the grace to carry our cross. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to change our neighbors, our families, our community is to see how did we endure what that ugh was and not in an artificial, superficial way, but in an authentic way, because we want to be fully alive. Yeah. I love that. I think it's the perfect place to stop um, because it, it, it gives us all exactly what we need. That's fire in my belly. Please do send that my way. Um, I'm sending it. We'll do it before the new baby arrives. Um, where can we find out more about you and your ministry and your work? Sure. Um, so welcomehisheart.com has videos um, from our spiritual direction on uh, spiritual director on enthronement. O- order the kit. You can order Jesus Mary framed. You can order an express pack, whatever you want. We are a 501c3 there to help you. Um, Michelle family and I put together a website, inspirethefaith.com, and that has all the book studies, all the books we talked about, um, that we've written on prayer, divine mercy for moms, friendship project, and free, uh, faith resources, including video series. So definitely check it out and find me all over social media platforms. I'd love to connect with you and always emilyjaminette.com. Awesome. We'll have all of those links down in the show notes for folks. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Katie. I really do wonder what our world would look like, what our church would look like, our neighborhoods, our our friend groups, our families. What would it look like if Jesus Christ lived within our homes? If Jesus Christ was part of the family, like Emily described? Would we learn things about our kids in a new way? Would our marriage and the conversations within it be a little bit different, maybe a little holier and, and less selfish? Would our our desire to serve one another only increase because Christ himself, the servant leader, invites us to serve as he did? I think it's something to ponder. I think it's something that I hope you go and check out. I think it's something that we really need to think about when we look at Catholic family life, when we look at what a Catholic family is and what a Catholic family does and and how a Catholic family changes the world. Well, it, it begins with Jesus Christ at the heart of the home. It begins by giving our homes, giving our families, giving our marriage, giving our children to Jesus Christ. Everything that Emily mentioned is, of course, linked down in the show notes. I hope you'll click on over to it and learn more about the the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network. Take advantage of what they want to give you, of what they have to offer, and of hopefully implementing and incorporating these things into your family life. Again, whatever that looks like. 
You can find everything that we've created that is unpacking and exploring Catholic family life over at AveMariaPress.com, as well as um, the previous episodes of this podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. As always, we'd be grateful for a rating and a review so that more folks can find the show and listen to the show and share the show. And of course, we also want to tell you about our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Spotlight, where Father Dennis Strack and I interview a guest, just a short 15-20 minute interview on a topic that's relevant to current events in the church and in the world. You can also find Ave Spotlight everywhere you can get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You know, we're creating a ton over at Ave Maria Press. There are tons of free resources and Ave Explorers and webinars and, and podcasts and video format. Click on over to Ave Maria Press. Not only will you find excellent, high-quality books by Catholic authors, but you'll find incredible things to help you grow in your faith. That's the goal, that's the vision, that's, that's the purpose, that's the point. We exist to serve and to create good things for you to grow in your faith. So we hope you'll click on over to AveMariaPress.com, find this Ave Explorer series, as well as everything else we are creating just for you. We have one final episode of this season coming on Friday with Danielle Bean. We hope you tune back in. Thanks for listening today. <laughs>